0: Good morning again. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I understand that last week was rough for some of you. That's okay. The only time my Titans have made the Super Bowl, we lost by a yard, and they show it every year. So, it happens. Uh, more importantly, from last week, I had my best friend here with me. If you saw me, uh, Beatrice, my little two-year-old niece. I've. I don't. I, you probably never heard me talk about her. I don't really. Do much about that, but uh, I wanted to share a quick story as we start from youth. She went to youth with me that night, and I was preaching to the teens at the beginning of youth, and uh, we were talking about friendship and just going from there, and about three-fourths of the way through uh, me talking, she, I see her come from the back, and she'd been sitting with some people playing, uh, walk up to me and just kind of look at me and look around, and I'm like, okay, she's just going to stand there, and she kind of came up, and she said, Papa, Stop talking, and so, and I kept talking, so that's just a fair warning for today. Uh, Today we are wrapping up the Biggest Loser series that we've been doing, and in this series we've been talking about losing in order to gain. We've been talking about letting go some of the things that hold us down, some of the things that that we struggle with, some of the things that that tie us to a, a past life or to a past hurt or to just the way we used to be and then gaining God in the process, and and gaining more in the process, gaining community, gaining victory, gaining all of these things. But it's important to remember, I think sometimes, often, we kind of look at things like that. We look at our lives, look at things we need to do, and if it doesn't happen right away, we kind of give up, or or we get discouraged, or, or we just don't know what to do. This is why I never like New Year's resolutions. I've talked about this before, but A lot of people make big New Year's resolutions, and and it's very much, it's never like I need to uh, improve this in a a rational way, like I need to lose five pounds or something. It's like I need to get abs like the rock. And and so, you know, we start going to the gym, we start working, and then that doesn't happen. And then, you know, it's like I give up. And so with this, with everything from The Biggest Loser, it's like that. It's about remembering that it's a process and remembering that God is there, remembering that he's helping us. And so I'm going to go to Luke 15... Eleven through thirty-two, like we read from the New Testament reading, and this is probably my favorite parable, definitely my favorite parable, to illustrate this point further. Jesus told them this story: a man had two sons. The younger son told his the younger son told his father, "I want my share of your estate now, before you die." So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So this is crazy to us. I would imagine that if Carter looked to his dad right now and said, "Hey, you know what? I've been thinking, and I'd like," everything that that I'm going to inherit from you right now. And if I pause and let that happen, I'm going to imagine that it's not gonna go very super well for Carter, so don't do that. None of you do that. But just imagine that, imagine that your kid or or your grandkid or somebody comes up to you and asks you for that, it's such a crazy thing. And so we start there and we're like, well, that's insane, this doesn't make any sense. But actually, uh, in that day, the father could grant the inheritance before or after he died. And so it's not a a completely out-of-the-box thing, but when we know his intent and we know what he's doing, we know that it's going to be a problem and it's for the wrong reasons. And yet it shows us God's love. Spoiler alert, the father in this parable represents God and it shows us his love. The fact that he loves us so much, that he cares about our lives so much, that he allows us to have free will. And in allowing us to have free will, sometimes we're stupid and sometimes we... Uh, Let go of the wrong things. We've talked in Biggest Loser about losing things. Sometimes we let go of the wrong things, or we hold on. We cling tightly to, to the things that we shouldn't. And it can be so confusing and so hard. Like, maybe we've been hurt a lot, and people have just really shut us down, or we had a bad experience in church once, or someone at a store said something bad, or something like that. And we hold on to that, and we let go of our compassion, or we let go of our empathy, And so sometimes we do things like that, and yet God still loves us. God still holds on to us and gives us this chance to come back all the time, just like with the sun here. Sometimes it takes a while to realize what we need to do because it's a process, but God's love stays there. And I want you to remember that as I go throughout this message, God's love stays there. It always is open for us, no matter what, no matter how successful we are, no matter how much we fail, no matter how much we go back and forth, God's love is there. And so I'm going to go to verse 13 as we get into kind of the heart of the story here. A few days later, his, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. uh, And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. We know this story. Uh, we've heard this story so many times, we've heard this story, we've read this story, we know this story, this is one of the most famous parables, one of the most used parables. When I was in college in a fiction workshop, I actually wrote kind of a modern version, a modern version then, which is like the 1920s, but a modern version of the parable, and just what it was like to go through, and what it was, and so we know this. We know that the son is looking for happiness, but he's looking in the short term. He's looking for, being, for the chance to be complete, but he's looking at the wrong things, And he wants the money, he gets it, and then he wastes it. And how often does that happen? He wants the money, he gets it, and then he wastes it. And as he wastes it, as he gives it up, as he lives wildly and realizes that once the money's gone, so did the people that were around him, so were the people that were around him then, he finds that he's let go of the wrong things in his life. He finds that he's looked in the wrong places for happiness. He finds that he's held on to the wrong things. And so he has this moment. Uh, I like to use quotes when I preach, and one of my favorite people in the history of the world, one of my heroes, is C.S. Lewis. Uh, he wrote the, uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Word of the Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote so many just intelligent, amazing things about heaven, about Christ, about the Christian life. And here's a quote that I have from him. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get Neither. How often do we do that, though? How often do we aim at earthly things and think, you know what, I'm going to get it all. Or after this, then I'll go for Jesus. Then I'll really dig into my faith. And then it's always after and after and after and after. And it keeps going and going and going. And we know that. We all know that. But sometimes we just keep holding on. We keep clinging tightly to the way we've done things. We keep clinging tightly to the way our life has gone, no matter what it's like, and we don't let go and look to God. We don't look at him, just like this young son was doing. Now, in this parable, we often jump ahead to the end when we're thinking about his victory. We're like, oh, when his dad ran out and hugged him, that's the victory. That's where everything happened. That's not where it happened. Now, that was amazing, and that's victorious, and that shows us God. But his victory... His victory came right here where he says, you know what? I've messed up my life. I've messed up my life. I've held on to the wrong things and I was seeking the wrong things. And, and I have to get rid of this. I have to change my life. I have to go back. I have to ask for forgiveness. I have to admit what I've done wrong. And as CS said in that quote, it starts with the aiming. You can't hit a shot that you never take. I use case, you just don't hit any of them, unfortunately. But, but, you still have to practice. You still have to go. You still have to aim. You still have to try. And that's what he realizes here. It's such an amazing thing. It's such a powerful thing. For him to have fallen so far that he's eating with the pigs. And as a Jew, as a Jewish believer here, uh, that's as low as you can go because they, don't, they believe they're unclean. And so he's there, and he's not only eating with them. He's like, you know what? Their life looks kind of good. That's when you know you've fallen. But he doesn't blame everything around him. He doesn't blame his dad. He doesn't blame his circumstances. He doesn't blame the pigs. He doesn't blame uh, politicians. He doesn't blame the IRS. He doesn't blame his past. He doesn't blame the referees. He doesn't blame anything else. But he looks squarely at himself. Now that's not to say that none of those things ever play a role because they do. But we always have the biggest role. Because we make the choices. Or we refuse to make the choices. And so he realizes that and he has this epiphany. This moment of looking and saying, man, what was I thinking? And his head clears and for the first time he's really himself. And he looks at everything around him and he looks at his life and he says, I got to get right. And so, in terms of the biggest loser, this is where he's like, I got to let go of the things that are tying me down and I've got to get back to the basics, to the fundamentals. I got to practice my free throws. I got to do what I can do. And that's how we need to go to God by stripping everything down and saying, okay. This may have had an effect, and this may have bothered me, and they may have hurt me, but it comes down to me, Lord. Lord, I need to do this. Please help me. And so he goes to God, and we clear our heads, and we go to God. And then we go to verse 20, and we see how God reacts. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His dad said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. No matter what, no matter how far we fall, no matter how much we mess up, no matter how much we're hurt, no matter how much we need to work on, no matter how many times we go back and forth, back and forth on the roller coaster of process, God's love is there. God's love is there. Uh, a few weeks ago in the, the contemporary, I spoke one of these messages about anger. And when I was a kid, when I was like 15, I had anger issues. And it just, I, I, I was just consumed with anger, and there were lots of reasons. I'm not gonna psychoanalyze myself right now. But if you want me to, I will after, I guess. But I had anger problems, and it all culminated with, uh, you guys remember when real cool prizes used to actually be in cereal? Not now, where it's like a bag of coffee or something. But I actually saw that yesterday, that's why I thought of that. It's like, hey, if you buy Special K, you get a free little bag of coffee. It's exciting. But, Also, it's kind of mixed marketing, but we'll go later. Uh, And so, I wanted these uh, hologram baseball cards. Back when baseball still existed, I wanted these hologram baseball cards. And I really wanted Griffey, because he's the best. And I wanted these, and so I was just so ready to open the cereal and get to it, and so I go to it, and they're not there. And I knew right then that my cousin had taken them and and my great-grandma had given them to him. And so I go out to the garage and I'm just going to yell or or, or just scream and and just throw a fit. And I push open the garage door and my hand goes right through the glass and I still have the scar on my wrist that shows where that cut. And right then is where I had my prodigal son moment. Where I realized I got to change something. No, I didn't immediately change. It was a process and it took a while. But even then, God loved me. And as I went through that process, God loved me. And as I still do my best, God loves me. God is a constant. Sometimes it feels like we pray the same prayer all of the time. It feels like we pray for forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over again. Or we pray for help with the same thing over and over and over again. Like anger. We pray for anger or patience. And then we drive on 75 and it's all out the window. Because nobody knows that the left lane is the passing lane. But that's, again, beside the point. (laughs) We pray and we pray and we pray. And we get down on ourselves and think, man, God's just sick of me. He's not. Not ever. Because God's love is constant. God's love is never ending. God's love is all-encompassing. God's love is perfect. God's love is what lifts us up and helps us and brings us back. And we see that in this. We go to verse 25. I got bad news for you. I cannot see this clock, so sorry. (laughs) Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. How often have we complained about not getting one young goat? Yet when his son, this son of yours, came back uh, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Sometimes we're the younger son." We go the wrong path, we give up the wrong things, we try the wrong life, and we realize that we're at the bottom, and we realize that we're in the dumps, we realize that we've screwed up, and we try to cling back and come back and and, and work our way back. Sometimes we're the older son, judging the people that are struggling like that, holding on to the wrong things ourselves, but not looking, not realizing The older son was never the prodigal. He was never lost. But he also was never found. You see, the younger son went looking for happiness in all the wrong places. The older son didn't even try to look for happiness. He didn't look to God. He didn't look to anything but doing what he was doing. And clearly he was doing it just to get the reward. And sometimes we're in each of those positions. Sometimes we look at everyone else and think, why won't they change? I had a friend talk to me the other day, and they were talking about past relationships. And they were talking about how uh, this girl had done this, and this girl had done that, and this girl, and just down the line of all these failed relationships they had. And kindly and gently, I said, you know, there's one constant throughout that. Sometimes we do that. We think about all the times we've had trouble at work. We think about all the personal relationships we've had trouble with. We think about all of the issues that we struggle with. And it's like, well, they did this, and they did this, and they did this. But we never stop and think, hey, wait a second. And that's where the older son was. Going back to driving for a second, there's a a phrase that I try to remember and sometimes do. Uh, And it's basically, when you're driving... The person going too slow in front of you, they're stupid. They need to learn to go faster. The person going too fast behind you, they're also stupid. They need to learn to slow down. And you see, the problem there is we're blaming both sides because it's based only on what we're seeing of ourselves. And so the older son and the younger son show us that. And we know that love doesn't keep a record of being wronged. But the older son was definitely keeping records. He was keeping a little notebook of all the things... That he had been slighted with. He didn't see. That just because the younger son needed to change. That that didn't mean he also needed to change. The younger son. As I said. Looked everywhere but God for happiness. The older son didn't look anywhere. Including God. And we get stuck in either of those places. But it's a process. Life is a process. And thankfully, we have more chances. And God is there no matter what. I loved the original Star Wars movies. As far as I'm concerned, there are only three. And that's, you know, Star, The New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. If you were born and you're like, ah, the prequels, sorry, that's wrong. And if you're like, oh, the new one, no, that's also wrong. The original ones. I have a point, I'm not just griping. I promise. In the original movies, Yoda was the original baby Yoda. Uh, He said one of the most famous quotes that people use all the time do or do not, there is no try. Young Jeff would hate to hear this, but he was super wrong. Because it is in the trying. That we succeed. It is in the effort. It is in the realizing that we need to try it. It is is in the aiming. The trying is what matters. Because so many things affect whether we're successful in certain things. But the trying our best. Truly trying our best. Is what God calls us to do. And we go to verse 31. Still can't see the clock. His father said to him. Look dear son. You have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We need to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And again, we see God's love there. Again, we see that God never left. It was the younger son that left. Again, we see that God doesn't hold grudges. It was the older son that held grudges. Again, we see that God's love is perfect and whole and bringing us back. Whether we've gone off and failed or failed to try, God's love is perfect. Back to the New Year's resolutions real quick. So often we shoot too high, too broad, or too narrowly and too small. And when we fail or when we don't make it, when we don't reach up, we completely give up and we walk away. So I tried. But if we shoot for God, if we aim for heaven, all the rest of it comes to us. If we think of our life as a puzzle and we start with the center, which is weird for a puzzle. You always do the edges. But in this position, we start with the center and we put God there. And then we fill everything else in. it fits. But if we fill everything else in and then try to fit God, it doesn't always work. No matter what you struggle with, no matter what, which of the biggest loser messages have really touched you, and it's like, oh man, my, my grief, or oh man, my anger, or oh man, my anxiety, or oh man, my whatever. Maybe you've already started to work on that. And maybe you've had some setbacks and you're like, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. God still loves you and still sees you, and He will provide that way back. You just have to keep trying. You have to keep doing your best. You have to keep working at it. Sometimes we stubbornly cling to the way things were. When God is crying out, Hey, just come to me. Just start there. Just start with looking at me. The way back always starts with seeing that, with realizing that it's not our way or the highway but that God's way is the best. That's all I got. I believe, if I remember my bulletin that I've lost already, uh, the next thing is a a hymn. And Amy uh, reached out to me and said, do you have a hymn to suggest? And I I don't like to do that because I don't know a lot of music. But one came to my heart, and it's this one that we're about to sing. Uh, Here's a secret. Please don't tell anybody, especially, oh, Mary's in here, so this is bad. So anybody, when I was a kid and my great-great, no, my great-grandfather, but not the one that raised me, died. I actually played and sang this at his funeral. I was very young. I can't do it anymore. Sorry. Don't look at me. But it's also the song that played at my great-grandma's funeral and my great-grandfather's funeral. And it's one that means so much to me because this is the story. This song is the story of the prodigal son. This song is the story of our lives because sometimes we're lost. Sometimes we don't even know that we need to be found. But all the time, God's grace lifts us up and clings to us and calls for us to come back. Choir.